welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host Justin Baker joining me as we talk playoff races and we're going to jump right into the Eastern Conference. Uh, but before we do, Justin, what is up? How are you? Uh, I'm great, man. A little better than you this morning. I don't know if uh, you want to tell our listeners oh. what happened. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, we. I think we probably would have started recording it, I don't know, like a good solid 8, maybe 8.30 this morning even, in 9 o'clock at least, which uh, normally, you know, if you... If you don't uh, pay attention to when we record, I guess we, we're usually in the evening after work time. Uh, both of us have the day off today, so we're doing it in a morning show. And my power went out at 7 a.m., so I lit a nice fire in the fireplace and pulled the couch over and kept it going. And uh, didn't expect it to come back on till 1, but here we are at 9.45 a.m. Thank you, DTE, which is Michigan's power company, uh, for fixing my power very quickly, as it is Nine degrees outside. And if you are a Celsius man or woman, that's minus 13 degrees Celsius. Apparently, the feels like is minus 14 degrees Fahrenheit, which is minus 25 Celsius. So uh, it's cold as balls. I did look outside <laughs> at my uh, my ducks and my chickens. They have a coop. Don't worry. They have like a little, a little place to hide. But they were all huddled around the heat lamp, just keeping warm. So, I bet. The, I tried to let my dog out this morning, and he went one step outside and instantly came back <laughs> and was like, nope, no part of this. I'll hold it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, that's – I. you know, I – they are – I'll say just chickens. They're just chickens and a couple ducks, but uh, I always – like, you feel bad. You're looking out there, and you're like, oh, my gosh, it's so cold out, and they're just – they're just hanging out out there, but they're fine. You know, they're – they're they, they have – they have the ability to survive some pretty damn cold weather. As long as, I mean, if it was nine degrees every day, all day, it, they would probably die. Um, it would be a really nice freezer for me, though. I would be able to, you know, <laughs> just go out there and defrost them, I guess. But uh, oh. I, I would prefer the eggs. I'd prefer the eggs from them. Uh, they are my egg layers. Uh, okay, anyways. Um, so we're going to talk playoff races. And. I th- uh, we both thought it would be best to start with the Metropolitan Division because it really is the... Uh, I mean, this division has kind of... I'll say, like, even though we knew that there were some really good teams in here, uh, I mean, this division has just overcome all expectations of what I think it would be as a whole as this division is just fantastic. I know they have the two worst teams in the division, especially Columbus, who's coming in at uh what 22 points right now they've lost five in a row now so of course that you know is going to boost the top of the division but man there are six teams in this division vying for five playoff spots and that sure looks like the way it's going to go i don't think that uh there's there's much to be said that you know it's is they're going to be an atlantic wild card team i don't think so where, where are you at with that? Let's start there. Will, do you think it's uh, five for the Metro, or do you think maybe Detroit or Buffalo can catch one of these wild cards? I mean, the way things are going, um, and I mean, we'll talk about Florida later too, but I, it doesn't look like it, right? I mean, it looks like we're going to get a five and three here. I mean, all the teams in the Metro, but six of those teams you talked about are just buzzing along like nothing's gone wrong. And, uh, man, I mean, you, you look at them from – top to bottom there i mean philly even i mean granted their record doesn't really show it they still compete night in and night out which is fun to watch 
Um, I know John Tort's teams have always just been competitive, but um, you know the wins and losses may you know not be what he wants. But um, well, and they're, so, yeah. they're 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 giving their younger guys opportunities, which which is always if you're going to lose, at least give young guys opportunities, right? Like Owen Tippett's getting in there some more, and, loving that. And Morgan Frost is playing, starting to play better. Uh, they they almost came back against the Leafs yesterday afternoon at their two p.m. two p.m. game. Uh, it was a it was a dominated Leafs game, but the Flyers kind of you know they managed to squeak in a couple there at the end and, and make it a game. But uh, yeah, the the Flyers certainly are not. I mean, they're not not pushovers. Good, but when you look at the Western Conference and you go. Chicago has 18 points. Anaheim 21, but I mean Anaheim's only won 3 games in regulation and two of those came in the last like week. <laughs> so before that they had one. Um and you've got Arizona at 25, San Jose at 28. The 6th place team in the West is the only team that has more points than the Flyers who are ninth in the East. So in that sense, you're seeing a lot more balance uh and and a lot less of a low end in the Eastern Conference. And, I mean, frankly, when you look at Columbus, I would say that I still put Columbus above all four of those teams in the West. At least at least because, you know, they, Columbus has had a lot of injuries. They're, I mean, Wierenski's out for the season. What are you going to do when your top defenseman is out and you don't have the greatest defense to begin with? And yet Columbus, I mean, I still think, for my money, I'd rather watch them than... Chicago, Anaheim, but just for the good yeah. Johnny Goudreau factor, I guess. And Line. And Line has been injured a lot too. That doesn't help. Yeah, I definitely don't disagree with you. I think that uh Columbus for my money is is much more entertaining. And I mean if they got halfway decent goaltending considering their, you know, injuries on defense, they they might actually be uh you know, even more I mean, obviously more competitive, but you know, they might be you know, hop in Philadelphia here at this point, or might be somewhat competitive for a spot. So, hey, in fairness, uh, Tarasov has been pretty solid for them. Uh, I, his goals against average looks bad, but a nine thirteen save percentage in eleven games, three hundred and fifty five shots against in in eleven game, and he started ten. So, I mean, you're 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 looking at what thirty five shots a game, and your your save percentage is nine thirteen. That's, I mean, that's fantastic. If he could continue doing that, I mean, he's well. I think the league average this year is nine oh six or nine oh seven for save percentage. So he's well above that. He's been playing really good. Two seven and one. The record looks terrible, <laughs> but that's not his fault. You know, he can only he can only do what he he does with. Uh, he can only stop pucks. Uh, but I, I picked him up on my fantasy team because he gets 30 shots a night, and even if he lets in three of them, I still get good decent amount of points out of him. Uh, so, yeah, Tarasov looks pretty decent. I don't know if I don't know if he has staying power, uh, especially with, with both Corpus Allo and Merzlikens, but uh, we'll, we'll get off the Columbus train since we're talking about the playoffs. <laughs> we already did their funeral in our last show. You can go, you can go listen to uh, the Blue Jackets' funeral in uh, in our last show, subscribe to the show, do all that stuff. Um, but as far as that Eastern Conference playoff race goes, in the Metro, I I I think we're both there. Five teams from the Metro. 
let's let's jump into the actual races because as far as I see it, I think there's there's a few interesting ones. I and mean, of course, you've got the Islanders and the Capitals that are kind of right there. I think that's probably something that we're going to see. It'll be those two teams battling it out for that final wild card spot because as far as the Rangers are concerned, for me, I don't see them slipping behind like they're eight and two in their last 10 and they really just got going i mean their home record they've been just terrible at home uh to start the year eight six and four so really they're eight and ten at home and uh i i expect that to be much better therefore i expect the rangers to probably be more in a race for that that three or two spot in the metro and let these other two teams battle it out for the final wild card spot yeah, I, um, I I have no worries about the Rangers either. I think, you know, again, um, Gerard Gallant kind of mixing up the lines here. The last few games, you see Kreider and Zabinajad no longer playing together. You've got, uh, you know, Philip Heedle playing alongside Panarin. It's it's interesting, uh, the combinations that they've managed to come up with there, but it seems to be working for them. I know they're, they look like a more rejuvenated, energized team. And, you know, when you've got Adam Fox just putting up the numbers he is and uh, Shesterkin back on defense or in goal, you know, with that defense they have, I'm I'm not too worried about about their playoff chances. They'll they'll figure it out, and especially with the home record too. Um, they'll get that going because I mean it's Madison Square Garden. You'll you you'll get some wins there. I don't I don't think they have to worry too much about that. Yeah, and Shesterkin has won seven of his last eight games, and uh, he has he has looked very good in that in that little run. He's only allowed four goals once, and they actually won that game, uh, which is which is encouraging. You know, you as a as a goaltender, who who I mean, let's face it, top top three goaltender in the NHL uh, had a rough start to the year. You know, I, I think that a lot of people were were a little bit concerned early on, and uh, oh, it, it kind of seemed unfounded. Like, well, it's fine. Yeah, I know he's. You know, he let in four goals against Anaheim early. He he had he he wasn't looking like the Vesna candidate that we had all gotten used to. But you know what? When your team's not scoring in front of you, it's really hard, uh, and there's a lot of pressure. Whereas last year, his team was was scoring in bundles in front of him. And yes, was he bailing them out? Absolutely, because they were allowing some incredibly high danger chances. Uh, they've actually been better about that this year, and maybe it's taken Shesterkin just a minute to get used to uh, to that, to a little bit less. Uh, there's been some games where, I mean, their last game against the Islanders, he only had 18 shots on goal against them. Uh, they, you know, they've they've been a little better in front of them, and that sometimes can actually throw a goaltender off. I, I don't know. You tell me, as, as a goaltender, you go from seeing a lot of pucks every night to... You know these twenty six, twenty shot, twenty three shots in in a game. Uh, are you feeling like you're not getting the same amount of touches? Is there something to that? Well, I mean it's it's all about developing a rhythm, right? I mean a lot of goaltenders. Um, I mean there are some goaltenders, right, that that do well with with low shots. I mean I remember growing up watching Chris Osgood. He was one of those um, that you know always fared well when the Wings were only giving up you know twenty twenty two shots a game. Uh, he seemed to, you know, handle it quite well, and he could go, you know, 15 minutes without seeing a shot and and be fine. Whereas a lot of other goaltenders, right? And I think Shesterkin kind of falls in this category where I think as they get more shots on them in a game, 
they get their rhythm going. They have just sort of this, I don't know what it is, but they get this mojo where, you know, they, they put up that brick wall and they just, they tend to play better when they're, they're getting 30 to 35 shots, at least a game. Yeah. I think of, uh, of Roberto Luongo. I, there's a guy who was so used to tons of shots in Florida and, uh, and then Vancouver, even in Vancouver, lots of shots against, uh, I think of Curtis Joseph, who was on a lot of bad teams. Uh, <laughs> there's a guy who who definitely. I, I'm sure if we could go back, I don't. I don't know that we can. I don't think we can go back and and figure out goals saved above expected for a goalie in the '90s. But uh, I would have to imagine that he would be. There were some years where he would be at the top, or. If, probably second to Dominic Koshik every single year because <laughs> right. that's, that's uh that's not Cujo's fault that's just because Hashik was ridiculous um Hashik, like we forget about Dominic Hashik, and uh, I think the best comparison to right now is we all look at Connor McDavid and go how is he so much better than everyone else and that was Dominic Hashik. how is this guy so much better like it's not even close. It was not close for for a good probably what eight eight years. Hashik <laughs> was it, like it wasn't close because his team was so bad. They his team really was were. not good. He they had Danny Briere. <laughs> he literally <laughs> took a Stanley a team to the Stanley Cup Finals and came within two wins of like an OT goal and then a win away from a Stanley Cup and. I mean, the team in front of them, it's not as if they didn't have anything, but that Buffalo team was built around Dominic Hoshik. They just, they they had some good defenders, and they made sure that they could maybe get the one or two goals in the playoffs, and that was all they needed to win. Uh, I, I don't know that we'll ever see anything like that again, especially the way the game's going. Uh, knock on wood, because I really don't want to see a lot of one nothing games. Right <laughs> again, um, I like the I like the speed at which the league is at. But, uh, anyways, playoff races. Uh, where do you see this the the top of that metro? We we know Carolina just overtook New Jersey with their seventh win in a row. Uh, they have been absolutely on fire. Uh, New Jersey, on the other hand, they finally break I think was six game losing streak. So New Jersey. Uh, Hopefully, turning the turning the ship here back into uh, into winning mode. But where do you see the top of this division going? And I'd say Pittsburgh is is still in the conversation here because they they have been eight one and one in their last ten. They have been great too. Yeah, I mean Carolina's a no brainer, right? They're they're going to be at the top of this division. I think between them and uh, the Rangers are another team that I think are going to you know continue to get their their shit together and. Uh, figure it out i think there's just too much talent on that ranger team and and too good of a goaltender not to be at the top of that division where i think they'll end up at the end of the year now uh the the third team and where i i think i i think they're gonna end up finishing is pittsburgh again at number three so we're gonna i would love to see another rangers penguins matchup in the playoffs i think that would just be ideal and fingers crossed we have no goaltending injuries for pittsburgh so um, seriously yeah well i mean yeah. also don't like Hopefully they can play Casey DeSmith a little bit more, and we don't have to uh, don't have to deal with you know Tristan right. Jari playing too much, right? Well, and that's the thing too. I think Pittsburgh's actually getting some good backup goaltending this year out of Casey DeSmith, where they really were a little unsure about him last year. You know, you were 
his his goaltending numbers weren't the best and so you know you always had to you know wonder like okay crap besides the back-to-backs are we ever going to play this guy any other game and so um now I think there's a little bit more confidence I think the team in front of him is playing a little bit better um they've got their mojo going so I think you know again you can never count out Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and this this Penguins team as long as they're they're healthy and in it so um, yeah, I especially break. when you know your best defenseman just strokes out and then comes back a few days later right. and is scoring goals and <laughs> and the team seems to only play better when he's gone. So, um, which you know I'm sure you know you as a Maple Leafs fan you you're probably well aware of how well the Leafs are playing without Morgan Riley. But uh, yeah, sure. which is crazy to me because when you look at all his underlying advanced numbers, right, Morgan Riley actually makes this team so much better. Oh yeah, uh, but for some reason, which is unbelievable just... how well they're doing without him. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, yeah, I think Pittsburgh's in the same boat where, you know, with or without Latang, they're still going to thrive. And um, so I, I think those three teams will, will be there at the top now. Uh, su- surprisingly enough, though, Washington to me is, is the biggest shocker because, you know, I figured, okay, I wasn't necessarily saying Ovi's going to slow down, but I, I figured with all the injuries between Tom Wilson, Backstrom, uh, you know, a mediocre defense outside of John Carlson. I, I thought, okay, well, you know what? It's time this team's going to drop off. I think New Jersey, we all thought, was going to be better, and they, they have been. Um, I figured the Islanders would probably bounce back a little bit from where they were last year. And so, um, to me, the odd man out was Washington. But uh, they're 8-2-0 and in their last 10. They they seem to not be giving a crap, and they don't yeah. really care who's in goal either because Charlie Lindgren has been – uh, a dream for them. I mean, it seemed like he could never lose. Also, so. I mean, he, Charlie Lindgren was really good last year in the American Hockey yeah. League. I mean, it, this this isn't for for those of you who pay attention to some American Hockey League and to, and you know to those those up and coming goalies. I mean, Charlie Lindgren is. It's not as if he's this twenty year old prospect coming up. You know, he's uh, he's twenty nine years old, but he look he's he's paid his dues. I mean, I I. I know he was like he was in St. Louis last year, and he he was great for the Blues in a very limited uh, limited start. I mean, he started four games, played in five. He was five and zero, one point two two goals against, and a nine five eight save percentage. Just saying, yeah, that's good. And he was good in, when he was in Montreal. I mean, yeah, he wasn't. They bad. had terrible teams in front of him, and he put up some good numbers. So, I mean, you know what? I I was excited to see him in a backup role. I think he's earned it. Uh, for Washington, but you know when uh, Kemper went down, I figured, okay, well, there go the Capitals, right? I, I don't think Charlie Lindgren can keep the team afloat for too long, but uh, I, I, I am eating my own words because he has uh, proved me wrong, and uh, it was a good thing too because I picked him up in fantasy and he bought me a couple points, so that was nice. You know, here's the funny thing: is that really Darcy Kemper has better numbers than Charlie Lindgren as far as like save percentage. Uh, both of them are are above nine or. Lingren's at nine ninety one, and uh, Kemper's at nine one six. He's he's looked really good. He has he actually has a lower goals against as well, uh, but his record's nine and nine, and Lingren's is nine and four. Uh, so I I think some of this, I think that Washington is kind of starting to uh, starting to pop back up now. I think they just had a slow start, uh, which they often have had slow starts, and and so I think. Even though Kemper played really well, it just wasn't showing up on the the wins side of things. I think now that he's back, he's healthy. I think you're going to see him become the the starter. But what this does for Washington, I mean, if you can rely on Charlie Lindgren every third game, that's incredible for Darcy Kemper because now Kemper 
you know, at the end of the year, maybe he 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 gets into forty five games. I, uh, let's see, how many games are left? <clears throat> fifty, around fifty games. Uh, so if he plays, let's say he plays thirty of the fifty, uh, then he's playing in fifty one games, and I think that that's probably ideal for a guy like Kemper. And then he's going to come in and. You know, your hope is that he plays in 20 plus playoff games and you can somehow ride this, uh, you know, ride the wave. But uh, I I think that this is ideal. Uh, you get Charlie Lindgren to and you really trust him to play almost as well as your number one. And frankly, still playing above uh, giving you above average goaltending. That's all you can ask for. Yeah. Yeah. Not to mention, I think, uh, you know, Dylan Strom has come in. He's. He's definitely filled in where I think they were going to lack as far as the center depth position. I think he's he's proved me wrong, and I think he's going to cash in majorly uh, in this offseason. I don't think Washington's going to be able to afford him, so um, you'll probably see him get dealt to a team because you know at three point five million dollars and putting up twenty four points in thirty five games has been a steal. So you know I think you know <clears throat> I think he'll he'll definitely probably you know garner closer to five and six million bucks. I think on a two or three year deal, I think some team is probably going to give him that money. And so he'll probably get dealt as an RFA. But um, outside of that, I think this Washington team as a whole though has, you know, again, with all the injuries and, you know, the goaltending situation, I think outside of that, really they, they've had a little bit more motivation lately, especially uh, with Ovi, um, you know, crossing that 800 goal milestone. I think there's been that motivation to get him there and to play hard for him because it's, you know, it's one thing for, you know, just to, you know, play just to be playing for playing sake. But, um, you know, they have something extra now. It's not necessarily like, okay, cool. We have to, you know, hold on to first place or we have to get in really they're They're playing for Obi right now. And it looks like, you know, they want to get him and it's working. I was a little, yeah, it's working. And I was a little bummed that they, they were unable to get him to tie Gordy Howe with, with the goals they're playing against. Yeah. Against Detroit. That was a bummer, but, um, he'll get there. I know. Um, by the end of the year, he'll be he'll surpass Gordy, which will be great for yeah, the game. Play, they so. play that. You know the the cool thing that they I know they went to uh, the game after that. They played in Ottawa. He didn't score again. Uh, I want him to do this at home. Like I yes. want him to tie the record. I want him to break the record in Washington. Like no matter who, no matter where he does it, fans are going to appreciate what he's doing. Like they're going to give him a standing ovation. Who could like? It doesn't matter when this goal comes, even if it's a a tough, heartbreaking goal. You're still going to go. Well, damn. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll yeah. give him kudos. Uh, but I want to see this goal happen at home. And uh, I mean, there's there's a reason why the NHL Network is picking up Washington against Winnipeg tonight. Right. <laughs> they want this game. I mean, they they uh, they want want people to to tune in and i i certainly will be i mean that's that's the game i'm watching tonight i want to see if ovechkin can break that or tie the record and uh we'll we'll see but yes i you know and the other thing for washington we didn't know if nick backstrom was going to play it looks i mean backstrom and wilson travel with the team and suddenly there's some hope those two guys coming back this is a a vastly different team with those two guys in the lineup a vastly different team. Suddenly, you've got a number. Where where do we put Backstrom if he's healthy? Uh, do we kind of put him in that like at this point in his career, maybe in that like Ryan Johansson kind of vibe? When Ryan Johansson is good, like that, almost a number one center, like a one yeah. B kind of guy, where you're like, well, I sure hope we have another center, which is 
Kuznetsov. So it ends up being okay. Like he, he doesn't have to take all those heavy minutes as the top center. Um, I, I, you know, the other thing is I, I do wonder, you know, Backstrom sticks around here for a while. I mean, he, he has another, what, another two years after this on his contract at 9.2 million. Uh, I wonder if they move him to the wing. If, if, uh, you know, if, if it comes to that, if, if they need to move him to the wing to be able to have somebody who can play a little bit tougher minutes down the middle. Uh, but if they get him back and they get Tom Wilson back, I, I don't know that I'm, I'm looking at this team going, I sure hope that they can hold off the Islanders. I, I mean, with the goaltending they're getting, I'm going, I wonder, can they, is there a team they can jump? And the one team that I think, maybe is a false a falsehood up where they are as the New Jersey Devils. Like, have we overrated them because of what they were able to do early on in the season? Teams are starting to kind of figure them out a little bit. And will the Devils not... The Devils aren't missing the playoffs at this point. I don't, I'm, I don't see that. Uh, but maybe they end up being a team that they kind of finish where we talked at the beginning of the season. Like, Hey, this team, we, we really think they could compete for a wild card and maybe they hit those expectations and end up in a wild card spot. Where do you think that New Jersey, what, what do you think of New Jersey at two right now? Yeah. I, I, again, I, I think, you know, coming into the season, I think we all thought that New Jersey could push for a bubble spot, a playoff, you know, wild right, card berth. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think they were just a little overrated. I think this team is so fast that it kind of took the league by storm, and I don't think anybody really knew how to handle it. But now you see, especially I watched that game with against Carolina, and you really learn that if you clog up the neutral zone and really play a more dump-and-chase style bang-up hockey, you can slow this Devils team down, and then they really can't produce. And so, um, to me, I think that's the way you're going to see a lot of teams play down the stretch. And so I think the speed is only going to get you so far. And I think it's good enough to where it'll get them in the playoffs, but um, you know, where it gets them as far as the standings are concerned, I think New Jersey's probably going to end up, um, you know, finishing around that four or five spot. I think they'll, they'll get in with one of those last two wild card spots because I think, you know, again, Carolina and New York are just too good. Um, I think Pittsburgh, they know how to win and they're battle tested. So they'll continue to do their thing. And I think eventually they'll hop New Jersey. Now, whether or not Washington, can jump them is a different story. I just, again, I don't trust that defense enough. And I don't think beyond, you know, their top five or, you know, four forwards, I don't think they have enough firepower to really, um, you know, continue a lot of success. So I think Washington will struggle, but I think they'll, they'll get in, but where they finish again, you know, whether or not they hot New Jersey is a whole nother story. I think New Jersey is just, they're too fun offensively to, you know, not figure it out. I think, you know, eventually Lindy Ruff, and Andrew Burnett are going to figure out a way to to use the speed to their advantage and and carve out a few more wins to where they can stay afloat in this conference. Okay, uh, yeah, I when I look at Washington, I, I mean, I don't think that they really they they just they just want to make the playoffs. Um, I don't think they care where they finish. You know, I when I think New Jersey, I see a team that most teams cannot keep up with them. Uh, Carolina, like you said, with the dump and chase, Carolina can do it because they have that's that's how they play anyways. They're really the there's barely any teams left that exclusively dump and chase, and Carolina does it, uh, but they are very effective at it because of their speed and their skill, uh, and and the way that they 
you know, move through the neutral zone. It, it opens up opportunities, uh, but they, they are dumping it more often than they're carrying it in. Whereas pretty much every other team in the NHL, uh, is carrying it in more often than they're dumping it. Uh, so I think against New Jersey, that's like, I mean, it, it's killer for them, right? Because it's the one thing that they're really not prepared for is a dump and chase team, which frankly is why Carolina is so effective because you play against them and all of a sudden you have to go, wait, what? Like this team does things totally different than most of the other teams in the NHL. And I, I think that's where you, you know, if those two teams play each other, that's going to be tough for New Jersey to overcome. But against a lot of the other teams in the NHL, New Jersey is just so fast. So that's why I don't ex- I don't expect New Jersey to fall too far. But I do think that a lot of these high-end, really talented teams uh, can find a way to slow New Jersey down a bit. Uh, but I think New Jersey is going to keep eating up these bottom feeders. And uh, and there there's only going to be more and more bottom feeders as we as we near the trade deadline. Uh, I think you're you're already probably starting to to see some things brew on the on the trade horizon. Uh, the what the the Christmas trade freeze started Tuesday and goes through Monday of next week, and then next Tuesday it's it's wide open again. And I I think I got to think there's a lot of discussions going on right now. Uh, and, and I, I mean, there's definitely teams that are worlds out of it at this point, and they've got to be trying to, to capitalize on that because I mean, you're going to get more right now than you would at the deadline for some of these players, uh, especially the ones that are making less than 5 million a year where these teams can fit them under the cap right away, uh, by eating half. So I, I think there's there's probably some things brewing, and once those bottom feeder teams get worse, well, that only means that that teams at the top are winning more often, and uh, that'll circle back. So, uh, as far as that playoff race in the Metro goes, let me get your now with what fifty games left. What's your prediction for how this division's gonna gonna fall out? Go one through yeah. one through wild cards. All right, one through wild cards. I think. You're going to see Carolina, New York up at the top. I think one, two, right? I think Carolina finds a way to continue their success. Uh, they're getting amazing goaltending. So I don't think they're going to falter too much or, you know, drop off at all from that one spot. I think at number two, I think the Rangers are going to sit pretty there. They've got too much talent up front, I think, in that goaltending. Number three, now that's where things get a little interesting. I'm going to play devil's advocate because, again, I, I think I like when you say they're going to feed off the bottom feeders of this this league here and i think new jersey will find a way to finish at three i think pittsburgh you'll see at number four at the first wild card and the washington capitals at number five at the second wild card okay i'm going uh i'm i'm gonna go carolina at the top i think that's what we had in uh in our preseason rankings anyways i'm going actually pittsburgh number two the rangers number three jersey jersey top wild card washington into the next spot uh uh, is there a reason you don't think that the Islanders can do this? Uh, both of us left the Islanders out of out of this. They're only two points back with the game in hand on the on the Capitals. Uh, what what do you think the Islanders have to do? I guess to turn this around because at one point they they were somewhat securely in a playoff spot and uh, they went on a little a little bender and and Washington is uh, has ripped back eight and two in their last ten, winning three in a row too. Uh, do you think there's a chance the Islanders get in, or or do you think that this is just 
this has been kind of uh, a faux faux race with the Islanders. Yeah, I think they're they're kind of a little flash in the pan, right? I think they came out of the gate excited and glad not to be on a 25-game road trip to start the year. Sure. <laughs> um, but more realistically, I think the problem with this team is, is, you know, they just don't have a lot of depth up front in the forward position. And I think, you know, when you look at, you know, really obviously their top three guys, you know, Brock Nelson's their number one scorer right now. And I think that to me is a problem, right? When you have to rely on a guy – like that to be your top scorer, you're going to have problems. And no offense to Brock Nelson, I think he's a, a great middle six yeah, Justin, player. Brock, Brock Nelson actually just texted me and said, fuck you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think more realistically, right, they need another high-end guy to play with Matthew Barzell who can produce. And I think if you can find somebody who can, you know, finish, because Matthew Barzell is clearly not a finisher with only five goals through 35 game, through 34 games, but um, – I mean, again, I think that's that's where, you know, when you look at this this Islander team, that's where the fault is, right? They just don't have a lot of scoring outside of Brock Nelson and Anders Lee. And so um, when you don't have a lot of depth scoring, you're going to struggle against some of these other teams at the top when it comes to those grinding games towards the end of the year, closer to the deadline. And I think, you know, the Islanders might stay afloat because they have such good goaltending and such good defense that they'll stay close. But ultimately, once you get towards that grind at the end of the year, I don't think they have enough firepower up front to, to be a real competitor. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, I you know, with the Islanders, I think my one caveat would be, let's see what they do here in the next month. If they go out and they acquire a score uh, or do something on the trade market to make this team better, uh, I think we've all been waiting for that, right? Like, they, did, they didn't do anything in the summer. And... We're sitting here going, all right, they have, yeah, they, they've got 3.3 million in cap space, which is rare for, for a team right now. You know, for a team that's contending for the playoffs to have this much cap space, it, it seems like when are you going to, when are you going to pull the trigger? When are you going to make a trade? They have a ton of guys. Like everyone on their team makes $5 million. Uh, right. And you're wondering what, like, when is this going to break? When are you going to do something? And, and it still has not happened. And, you know, I'm, I guess I, I can't go as far to say like, well, Lou's lost it because <laughs> it's because then he'll do, you know, he'll make an incredible trade and, uh, and I'll look dumb. But the longer this goes, you have to wonder what is Lou Lamarillo doing and to what end is your patience? Like patience eventually wears thin if you don't produce. And, yeah, that's what happened in New Jersey. If you remember when when Lou Lamarillo was, uh, I guess, not re-signed. You know, he went to Toronto. Uh, I people just lost patience with Lou Lamarillo. Like people were just kind of over it, and they wanted a fresh voice and a, and some a, a different vantage point from that position. And I wonder how much longer you have to not go. I mean, come on, like. We got to do something. We we haven't really made any significant moves other than Alex Romanov, which Alex Romanov is fine, but he's not a game changer. And here we are, still waiting, still waiting. And the longer that we have to wait, I think the more that you just go. I mean, is like, do we need to bring someone else in here to to kind of shake things up and make things modern? Because this Islanders team is definitely not constructed in any modern... Like, I'll say the last five years, how everything's gotten much faster. 
this team really isn't constructed that way other than like Barzell, which he sort of is a happy accident for Lou Lamarillo. <laughs> right, he really is. And I mean, look, one name I see on the on the trade block right now that would fit in really, I think, nice with Barzell is a Brock Besser, right? You hear his name tossed around. His agent's been making calls. And so, um, you know, how good would that guy look sure, alongside sure. Matthew Barzell? So um, if you're Lou Lamorello and you're trying to save your job, right, you can't rely on Zach Parise to do the scoring for you. So, you know, go out there and make a move for a guy like that. You have Zach to have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Right, that was his big offseason move, right? Resign Zach Parise. So. Resign him. <laughs> yeah, I, I will give the Islanders this. Uh, Sorokin, I mean – He's been incredible. The guy is 10-11-1. He's got a 9-2-4 save percentage. I, I mean, the only, the only guys ahead of him, Matt Murray, who plays on quite possibly... I, this, this might sound crazy unless you've really been watching. Uh, maybe the best defensive hockey team in... The best defensive... All, sorry. Wow. Wow. Uh, the co- the coffee kick- the coffee co- the coffee is kicking in and uh, suddenly I yeah, maybe I'm I can't say that <laughs> you're too excited I, for I was, this Maple I was Leafs gonna, team I was going to make a, a Chris Letang joke and it was going to be distasteful uh. it was going to be distasteful so I won't uh, the Leafs maybe have the best team defense in all of hockey right now. Look at who is playing on the back end for them right now, and tell. And they are second in the league in goals against. They've played more games than all the teams that are close to them in that goals against category. And uh, my goodness, like their team defense is incredible. You look at both of their goaltenders, Samsonov and Murray. Uh, Murray a nine two five, Samsonov a nine two four save percentage. I mean, these two guys have been fantastic. I mean, they they made Eric Schalgren look decent. <laughs> that's that's a, a a small miracle. Uh, no, Eric Schalgren's not that bad, but uh, I mean, they they made him look fine. And you look at the I I don't know why I was oh because uh, I'm talking about Sorokin at a nine two four save percentage on a team that they just can't score in front of them. And the only other goalies ahead outside of the Maple Leafs goalies, Connor Hellebuck, which we all know he's a god, and uh, Linus Allmark, who's blowing everyone away with a 9-3-7 save percentage. Um, I have him in one of my fantasy leagues, and I swear he like he helps me win every week because he puts up big numbers um, <laughs> when he plays. And, uh, yeah, so I, I look at that and I just go, I mean, what you're wasting – what, who could be a Vesna Trophy candidate? Now, are you going to be a Vesna Trophy candidate if you have a losing record? Hell no! At ten and eleven, no way. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna go other guys, but he maybe has been the most important goaltender in the NHL because they, I mean, I guess they do also have Varlamov, who's at nine nineteen, uh, whose whose winning record is much better, eight three and one, uh, but. Besides the point, Sorokin and Varlamov both very good. So I mean, they they are playing their playing their hand with their goaltender as well. There's just no one to score goals in front of them, which is which is a little depressing. Like you, it's funny, isn't it? Funny how so many teams with good goalies, they they just can't score goals. <laughs> What's up with that? Right. <laughs> so, anyways, I I digress. Uh, Islanders 
They're going to miss the playoffs unless they go out and make a move here, probably in the next four to six weeks, and can and can rattle off some wins here. Otherwise, I just think this chase, the chase for Gretzky's record, is something we we have never seen ever in the league. Like, I, I guess with with Gretzky chasing how, it was more like when as opposed to. Uh, Will will like will this happen? If this happens, no. This has always been like, well, when Gretzky breaks the record, and then he went and he did it, and it was it was incredible. But everyone knew it was going to happen. The Ovechkin thing. I mean, it wasn't even that long ago. I saw an interview and someone asked him this question. You know, do you think you'll break Gretzky's record? And he was like, "Who the hell does this guy think he is asking me this question? That's a ridiculous question." And now Ovechkin. Has freaking trademarked <laughs> chase for chase for uh, what it, what what's the chase for or they oh, do you know what that is what, what's his trademark thing chase no. for uh, oh sorry now I'm I just typed in Ovechkin uh, Ovechkin chase for he trademarked something that that's wild did. well while you're looking uh, that up it's though, the you great know. chase but the word great is spelled G R eight. He trademarked ah, it. Yeah. The great awesome. chase. So, I mean, tell me that is not... If you were on his team, you're going, holy crap, I get, I could be a part of this. I might assist on the like some of the greatest, most remembered goals in the history of the league. You're not telling me that you're not going to elevate your game for that? I, 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 I don't think we've ever seen anything like this in the history of the league because of how big the league is now and how important Gretzky's records are and how unbreakable it seemed even three, four years ago. Uh, I, I think this is just... I think people are going to go to Washington to be a part of this. I would. Oh, if absolutely. I was a free agent, I'd go, yeah, I'll sign a, a one-year or a two-year deal to be in Washington and to, to have the chance to play with Ovi on the power play or something like that. If I could be the guy dishing him the puck for that goal... I mean, let's be honest. We all hope that it's. Uh, I mean, obviously, eight oh two. It's not going to be Backstrom. He's not going to be back in time, uh, unless Ovi's waiting for him. Maybe that's why he hasn't scored yet. Uh, <laughs> but for that eight ninety five, eight ninety four, if that's if that is Backstrom to Ovi, and it's that one timer goal, um, it's reminiscent of when Brett Hall scored seven hundred. I think when Brett Hall scored seven hundred, it was his like, I, Brett Hall. Did, Brett Hall had though like the OV goal was Brett Hall's before OV ever was around. Let's be honest, Brett Hall was taking that shot long before Ovechkin was even in diapers, and uh, that his 700th goal came that way, uh, or maybe it was you know it was yeah I'm pretty sure it was the 700th. Uh, that was when he was on the Red Wings. It came that way, and and it was just so fitting. And I hope that happens for Ovechkin. It'd be fun. Okay, I'm all done. <laughs> You know, I will say, though, on the OV thing, though, it is wild. And I think, you know, I saw an interesting stat that was basically, you know, detailing the amount of days it took him to go from three to 400 goals and six to 700. And it was basically the same amount of time. And I look back and I'm like, you know what? We had a half season uh, basically because of COVID. We had a a whole entire missed season during OV's career thanks to the lockout and another half season because of the lockout. And I wonder, I'm like, maybe he would have already broken it at this point had we not had all that missed time, or at least he would be pretty damn close at this point. Yeah, you're, um, t- you're talking uh, 82, 82 games missed and then another 
34 games missed from the lockout because they played 48 games. So there you're at 100 and 116 games and then about 20 games missed. So you're at 126 games. Uh, that's probably good for at least 50 goals. We'll, we'll, we'll go really conservative. But you know that was like in his prime. Um, that would have been his rookie year. In fairness, I'll say the lockout, sure. the the first lockout year. I'm not sure what would have happened. Um, I think he could have at least got 35. 30, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the league changed so much when he came back, right? Like during his rookie season, they changed so many rules and a lot changed. Uh, and they started. They called so many penalties. You know, that's like the highest scoring season uh, of this era. Is that first yeah, year coming out? Power play points, right, right. <laughs> so I, I will say, I mean that that certainly played a factor. Uh, but let's say conservatively that that's fifty goals. I mean, suddenly right now he's sitting at eight hundred and fifty goals now, and you're going well. Next season he'll break the record. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, you're right. I mean, he's a machine. Yeah. Uh, uh, now you know. Hey, there's there's a reason things happen. You never know. A guy suffers an ACL injury in one of those years, and he's never the same. You, you just don't know. So th- there's there's those. What if he had played more games? Well, what if he had gotten hurt in one of those games? Like there's sure. always that too, uh, which is 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 a thing. Uh, okay, I know we we've we've spent. 45 minutes on the Metropolitan Division, which is I'm fine with. Um, I think we're just going to say we're just going to stick with the Eastern Conference playoff races for this show, and we can uh, do a Western Conference show uh, where we talk about those races because I think we should probably give the same amount of time to those. Uh, but let's just let's go over to the Atlantic and talk Atlantic, and then that way, uh, you know, we'll be well over an hour by the time we're done. Uh, so nobody's nobody's tweeted at you and uh, and said that they're angry about a show being longer than an hour. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, let's let's first let's let's talk Detroit. I know they're your team. I want to I want to give you you some time. We we didn't talk about them in the funeral uh, for last week's show. They they were right on the bubble. They're five points out of the playoffs. They do have three games in hand. So I'm not willing to write them off yet. I, I still think there's something there's something to this team still. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres have been on a ripper. 7-2-1. Uh, and one. They've won four in a row. Tage Thompson is God. And uh, they are only six points back with three games in hand. I'm not willing to write them off yet either. Uh, where are you at with the Wings and the Sabres? Well, let's just start with the Wings and, uh, and catching that wild card. Do you, like, what do you think? What do you think here? How hopeful are you? Oh, yeah. Because I know there's, I know there's the fan in you that goes, yeah. If we win all three of those games, we're in the playoffs, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> we can do this. <laughs> well, the one thing I, I will say in their favor is they've dealt with a lot of injuries, right? Dylan Larkin's missed a little bit of time here lately, um, but more importantly, you know, Jacob Verana, right? He's he's, um, you know, come back from the the NHL assistant program, and so. Um, you know, he's been traveling with the team and I think he'll probably be ready to go after the new year here. So you'll probably see him back pretty soon, but Tyler Bertuzzi has been gone with injury. Um, so when you don't have consistent guys in and out of the lineup all the time, um, you know, when you're not able to develop that chemistry, I think, you know, and, and, and then given, you know, Lucas Raymond hasn't played as well as he did last year and same with Maurice Sider. And so I think, you know, if those two guys can figure it out and get that sophomore slump out of the way and, 
um, you know, they get some guys back from injury. I think Detroit can be competitive. Um, and they've got good goaltending this year, which has been fantastic. Billy Huso has been phenomenal for them. So I think all those things, and if, you know, maybe they make a move at the deadline, I'm not sure if they're they're going to plan to or not or spend some assets. I doubt Steve Eiserman will. Um, you know, again, I think he wants to see where they're at at the end of the year and then make, you know, some more moves accordingly. But, you know, I think this team's got enough talent where they can push for a playoff spot. But ultimately, I just I just don't know if they have enough, right? I, I just worry because that back end, right, there's just not enough outside of, you know, Heronic and Cider to really – give them that that back end offense and i don't think you know the bottom six uh produces uh consistently enough for them to where i would say okay cool i think they can get enough depth scoring to to compete right so i think you know depending on when guys come back from injury um and how healthy this team can remain i just i think they'll be competitive and they'll be there close but they just ultimately won't finish because again another team you mentioned buffalo has been pushing too and i think they're going to give detroit a lot of trouble down the road too and and Buffalo, I think, is is surging in a way that Detroit hopes to be surging in a year or two. Uh, Buffalo's kind of like when you look at. I mean, Buffalo's a plus eighteen. Uh, they are the only team outside of the playoffs that are a plus, and they're a plus eighteen. Oh, the Islanders are plus ten, uh, and they're a plus eighteen. I mean, they they've been blowing teams out in some way like they're just having a great stretch here um, they've scored more goals than anybody else in this conference i mean yeah yeah i i it's it's been really fun to see have they scored more goals than anyone else in the league yes they have highest scoring team in the league uh i i think when you when you look at the sabers you see a team that's definitely on the rise when i look at the wings i see a team that had a really nice start they're more competitive. They're actually enjoyable to watch. You can see the pieces coming together. This certainly is not going to be the team that is here when they're making the playoffs. Uh, but I also wonder, you know, you, you've got a few UFA. I mean, Dylan Larkin aside, Dylan Larkin's going to get signed. Uh, I'm certain that Larkin is waiting for Horvat, and Horvat's probably waiting for Larkin. Uh, basically, whatever <laughs> each of those guys gets signed for, it's going to be very similar. Although Horvat has is probably a little ahead in the, you know, in the in the scheme because he's got what he's got twenty twenty plus goals right now, um, and Larkin's sitting Larkin's sitting at a point per game though. I can't complain at all about what Larkin's done, and Larkin's probably on the level of Matthew Barzell. He's probably signing for somewhere in the neighborhood of nine to ten million. Uh, he's going to stay in Detroit. He's the captain of this team. He's from the area. He's going to stay. That's not a problem. But you look at Pius Suter, Oscar Sungfist, Adam Ern, Olimata, Jake Wallman, Osterley. Like there are some, uh, and even Nedeljkovic. I mean, ah, Nedeljkovic. Probably no playoff team's going to want him. But uh, Tyler Bertuzzi. I know he's hurt right now, but he's a UFA at the end of the year. I don't know if the Red Wings see him as a long-term player. Like, do they want to go out and sign him to a probably what's going to be a five-year deal? Uh, is what Tyler Bertuzzi could fetch in the open market? Are they going to want to give him five years? Probably not. Uh, five five times. Shoot, do you think he's he's a seven million dollar player, Tyler Bertuzzi? Five times six. I mean, he could on the right team. He could fetch seven million bucks because he brings a little bit of that sandpaper yeah. 
which I know those Matthew Kachuk. He, right, I was going to say he's know, a poor man's want. a poor man's Matthew Kachuk. So he's not he's right. not going out and getting ten million, but he's he certainly is going to be in the six six seven range, probably probably more six 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 and a half. But with the cap going up, you know that's that's also uh, that that's going to impact that number too. Uh, they, they have some players that they could deal, and I got to think if in a month. You know, this these this is separated out to seven or eight points out of the playoffs. I don't think that Iserman's gonna go, well, let's you know, let's spend some resources and and bring in maybe a defenseman, a cheap defenseman. Like I don't think that Iserman uh, let's say the Red Wings are within three points of the playoffs. I could see Iserman spending a fourth round pick, bringing in a, a number five defenseman just to just to say, you know what, you guys have worked hard. I'm gonna help you. I'm going to bring in someone, see what you guys can do, and let, let's give you an opportunity down the stretch to play some meaningful games. But if there's six to eight points out of it come end of January, I think Suter is probably gone. Sunquist is gone. Uh, I I got to think one of these defensemen is going to be jettisoned, uh, especially Osterley being able to play the right side. Uh, he'd be a pretty valuable trade chip there. Uh, I, got, I can't see Eiserman spending anything on the hope of making the playoffs this year when it really doesn't matter a whole lot. And this is a damn good draft. You don't want to lose those two second round picks that you have because those guys that fall into the second round, you, you've got a chance to really hit on someone there uh, because of how deep this draft is. Right. And that's the other thing too, right? I think Iserman knows that. And if you, if you know, if you are 10 points out, come, come February, uh, close to March, I think you could easily move a guy like Tyler Bertuzzi for a first-round pick for a team that, you know, for example, maybe a team like Colorado who could really use a nice second-line winger um, to play alongside, you know, with Miko Rantanen or Landeskog, whomever you want to, you know, shuffle the lines with. Um, you know, you could probably fetch a first-round pick, and in a, in a draft this deep, right, that first-round pick would be even more valuable than oh, yeah. say you know the last couple of years. You you might be you might be saying, well, look look how valuable this first round pick is, and you might just that might be the only pick uh, included. But yeah, I mean, there's let's be honest. If there's 16 playoff teams, all of them would love to have Tyler Bertuzzi on them on their team come the start of the playoffs. I a guy has never has he ever? I don't think he's ever played in the playoffs. That that's. 2015 is the last time the Wings made it, or 16. Uh, it's, he made, uh, it's been a while. No, he's never played in the NHL playoffs. He did play in the playoffs one year for the Grand Rapids Griffins and only had 19 points in 19 games with nine goals. Uh, but that was a while ago. That was 2016-17. It's the last time he played a playoff game in general. So, but I, I you know, you got to think Tyler Bertuzzi would be a great guy to have in the playoffs. Um, would love to have him on on my team for sure. Uh, but yes, I, I think that the wings probably in the end, they, they dish some of those guys off, but if they're there, if they're within two or three points, I think that Iserman would be willing to go at very least. Well, we're just, it's not worth it to us to, to trade some of these guys away for a third round pick when, you know, we, we got to reward these guys. They've played well all year. We're going to let them stick this out and see if they can make the playoffs. And maybe we'll spend a fourth round pick and add, add a small piece just to, you know, mix it up a little bit. But it looks like the way things are going for the teams around them, it sure looks like Buffalo's going to jump them. You got to think that Florida is going to jump them. But 
my goodness, Florida has just been dreadful. They are the worst defensive team in the Eastern Conference outside of the Columbus Blue Jackets who have had everyone and their mother go down. (laughs) I know, right? I mean, look, Florida's obviously missing Sasha Barkov, right? I mean, when you lose your captain, you lose your top your top offensive player that hurts right sure. but um you know i will say but this team was such a such so much bigger than just barkov so much bigger than huberdo and the 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 lines that they had i mean they they had the best fourth line of hockey their fourth line was better than most teams third line some some second line so i mean yes i know they lost mason marchment but you just you, and they of course they they lose uh their defense mckenzie Weger. mckenzie Weger, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, you've got Mark Stahl basically trying to replace the minutes that Mackenzie Weger was giving you. And, I mean, it, it clearly shows, right? <laughs> I mean, when you're, your top four, you know, outside of Aaron Eckblad is, you know, Forsling, Montour, and Mark Stahl, that's a concern for me. I mean, don't get me wrong, nothing against Montour and Forsling. I think they're good second-line guys. But um, And then looking at the forward group, you've got Eric Stahl centering your third line, and I like Eric Stahl, and I think he'll Scored probably the other get, night, yeah. Right, yeah. I mean, he's, he's not bad, but – He's not a guy that I want to rely on no. to provide the offense for this team. He was He's a guy that I want to step in there to win some face-offs and chip in every once Fourth in a while. Fourth line, right? but, maybe play him on the second power play, stick him in front of the net kind of thing. Yeah. Right, but these guys in the top six are just, you know, outside of Matthew Kachuk, have just not been producing well enough. Um, I think Anton Lundell finally getting back from injury. Um, you know, he'll start – I think he'll start getting going again. And, uh, you know, I, I, and the, the other part is, is you know – one of their top scorers from last year, Anthony Duclair, because of the cap hell they put themselves in, they're probably going to have to deal him when he's healthy because I know he's been skating and they're, you know, projecting him to come back here in the next few weeks. So, um, you know, when he finally does come back, they're probably going to have to get rid of him because they just can't afford to activate him. Yeah, or get rid so, of yeah, get rid of somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So somebody making some good money like Carter Verhage, which I don't think they would want to deal, but um, you know, again, a big name player is going to have to go to make room for Anthony Duclair, and I think it's just easier to deal him because well, giving I, his salary, I think he'll get a because return. I think because Hornquist is on LTIR, and that space isn't used right now. I think that that uh, I, I think that that makes up for it. Like that can that can get them over the hump. I think I don't know. I, I mean, right now they're sitting at one point three in far as cap space and deadline space. They've got one point three, so. I don't know if that's enough, to be quite honest. I mean, you know, maybe they get lucky and they get another injury. I mean, you don't, <laughs> don't want to say that, right? Yeah, you but, get lucky and get an injury. There you go. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't – but I, I honestly think they're going to probably lose him for next to nothing. I think, you know, yeah, they might get a third-round pick back, um, you know, maybe a second if they're lucky. But um, Yeah, suddenly you know. this is not boding well for uh, Paul Maurice, who leaves a team that he couldn't – he couldn't wrangle together. It goes to the President's Trophy winners, and he also can't make this work defensively. His teams are just bad defensively, and uh, I, you know, you got to wonder about that. Like, what a what would this team look like had? Oh, I don't know. Uh, the assistant coach of the what? What's that? The team that has blown everyone up in the league, the New Jersey Devils. Uh, <laughs> If he had just stayed as the head coach, a guy who was basically coach of the year almost, <laughs> and right. gets let go, like how dumb, how dumb, and maybe that's on Bill Zito, not 
not so much Paul Maurice. It's not his fault he got the job. Um, it's Bill Zito's fault for letting a guy go who this team obviously trusted, liked to play the system that they played. And they, you know what they did? You know what the Florida Panthers, it looks like what they did? It looks like they did what the Washington Capitals did after losing to Montreal in, uh, mm-hmm. in what, 2009? Was it? Or 2010, whenever. When, uh, when yeah, they, they lose that series and they go, oh, we're not tough enough. We need to, we're, we don't play good enough defense. And that's like Ovechkin's lowest scoring year of his career. And everyone, they bring Adam Oates in and everyone hates him. <laughs> and they, right. the Capitals just, I mean, the Capitals still were, were okay, but they definitely, they did not win. And uh, it looks like the Panthers maybe made that same mistake. They they hit the their trigger finger was a little itchy, and yeah, unfortunately, it's just not we're not working out, especially with how the Sabers are surging. The Red Wings are better. I, I'd say the only team not better. Funny enough, the only team not better in this division is the Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> They're the only team that's not better than they were last year. And they're still third in the division. Like they still look fine. You know, the Lightning are still a pretty good team. They just, frankly, I'll say the Lightning kind of look like a shell of of what they were winning those cups. Like they just don't have all their pieces now. Uh, it remains to be seen if they can add at the deadline again, like they have the last few years. Uh, you've got to wonder though. Do they? Do the Lightning just kind of go? Let's make the playoffs. Let's see what this core can do. Let's see see if we can win. I mean, they don't have their first-round pick this year or a second-round pick or a first-round pick next year. It's going to be kind of tough for uh, for the, the Tampa Bay Lightning to go in and, and win a cup this year and, and to push once again. Do, do you agree with that? Do you think that the Lightning should just sit, or you think you see a team that maybe could still do some damage? I, I still think they can do some damage, honestly. I mean... Look, we, we know they lost Andre Pallat. They've, they've lost some key pieces. McDonough's gone. Um, but I still look at this team, and as long as you have Kucherov, Stamkos, Point, you've got Sergachev, Hedman, and you've got Vasilevsky, arguably one of the top three goaltenders in the league, in my opinion. Um, once you you still got those pieces. I don't worry about this team, right? I mean, they're still going to be good in the playoffs. Now, what what's more concerning for me is, you know, how are Brandon Hagel and Nicholas Paul going to fare in the playoffs now that they've got these more elevated roles within the team. And I think right now, regular season, they've looked pretty good, but how's that going to translate to playoff success? I don't know yet. And obviously this year we'll have to see because, you know, now they don't have to, you know, they don't have to shelter those guys on the third line. They've got to play them in top six roles because they're paying them. And they, they, you know, obviously like with the first two first round draft picks, they gave up for Hagel, right. They, they gave away all that, you know, that capital to get these guys. So, um, they're gonna have to produce, and I think yep. right now they look pretty good. But um, yeah, I mean, it's not—it's not, not as story. if the Tampa Bay Lightning are a bad team. But I mean, let, let's be honest. Let's put this into perspective of the entire conference. The you know, if we were playing the old one eight two seven kind of, app, the Tampa Bay Lightning are seventh in in this conference. I mean, they're just behind the Rangers uh, in seventh place. They would be sure. playing the Carolina Hurricanes in the first round, and I don't like their chances against the Hurricanes. And honestly. I think that the Leafs should have beaten them last year in the playoffs. I, I think that Tampa Bay was very fortunate to to get out of that series. That was probably the team that gave them the most hell in the Eastern Conference uh, before they they 
you know, ultimately lose to the Colorado Avalanche, uh, who also, funny enough, look like a shell of themselves, granted, without McKinnon and Landis Cog and, you know, all the rest. But uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, to me, they're still a good team. They're still a playoff team. But I do think that this is the year that they, you know, they, they maybe take that step back. They don't make it out of the first round. And they they get an opportunity to reset, which I think they're going to have to do. I mean, this is going to be, after this year, your next UFAs, Alex Kalorn, I mean, Nemesnikov, whatever. Uh, you, you've got... Ian Cole's a UFA. You, you know you're you're starting to you're starting to see some of these guys peel back, and you're going to need to find some younger guys to fill in. I mean, Alex Kalorn is obviously not the Alex Kalorn of even two years ago. Uh, Twenty three points so far this year, but he had a good he had a good regular season last year, and then goes into the playoffs and puts up an absolute nothing burger: zero goals, four assists in twenty three games. Uh, I got to think this is probably going to be Alex Kalorn's last run with the Lightning. Someone's going to pay him okay money to come in and try and replicate what he did, you know, for a couple years, but I just don't with with uh Sergachev's contract, uh Cernak's contract and Sorelli all due for that uh that extension kick in next year. There's very little cap room to come back and re-sign Kalorn unless he just goes, "You know what? I'll come back." for a million bucks or two million bucks or something like that, but I don't see him doing that. I see him taking the plot route, and uh, I I just think now is the time for Tampa to go, you know what, we're not probably going to win the Cup this year. Let's take, let's just run into the playoffs, see what we can do. Maybe you spend a, 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 a late-round pick to bring in someone just to provide some depth, see what you can do. Maybe you can get out of the first round and, and go on another run. But it's probably unlikely, and you're better off just kind of saving up and and seeing if you can, you know, make some tweaks to this lineup to be able to become great again. Because they certainly have the ability with Kucherov, Point, and Stamco still rocking. I think there's still at least another run or two left in this team, and of course Vasilevsky. Yeah, I mean, the question mark, right? They're obviously going to, I mean, if the standings play out the way they, they are right now, and I, I think they probably will, we're going to see them play Toronto again in the first round. And yep, so yep. Um, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on Toronto being able to grind a little bit more because that's ultimately where I think if they have to play Tampa in the first round, it's going to come down to because Tampa knows how to block shots. They know how to play that grinding, you know, style of hockey that the playoffs usually birth. Um you know, and they've looked like a better defensive team this year. They're getting much better goaltending. Um, you know, I, I should say consistent goaltending this year. So if if that all stays, you know, the way I hope it will stay, and especially with Morgan Riley coming back, um, maybe they make a move at a deadline to bring in another defensive piece, um, or maybe even a depth forward. You know, can this Toronto team, I mean, compete with with the Tampa's that have you know shown that you know they just need to get in, right? Yeah, I mean, I when I when I watch the Leafs this year in comparison to last year and and any previous year, uh, you definitely see a team that's more committed to, to the defensive side, and it's coming from their forwards. I mean, frankly, Mitch Marner, if he's not a candidate for uh, for the Selkie this year, then I, I don't know what more you got to do as a like a guy who puts up huge numbers is probably the best penalty killing winger in the NHL and is consistently like showing highlights defensively uh, always in the right place at the right time he he's 
proven himself. I think where a lot of people thought that Matthews might become that, you know, he can, yeah, he'll score goals, but he's also, I mean, Matthews is a good defensive centerman as well, but um, obviously the focus is on the goal scoring. Uh, I think that Marner has really, really become that guy. And I think that it's, it's infectious the way that he plays is just making the rest of the team better defensively too. bringing in a Cali yarn croak guys who have uh, someone who has played his entire career as someone who can uh, play both sides of the puck. David Kampf has, I, I talked about it last year. I think we did a, uh, like a mid season award show. And I said, you know, David Kampf, Look at him. Look at him for the Selkie because he was taking like, I think, 85% of his face-offs were in the defensive zone. I mean, the guy is just a juggernaut uh, defensively, killing every penalty. He's been great for the Leafs and I think has really grown into that role for Sheldon Keefe. Uh, they, They finally, I think, are in a place where they're willing to do what it takes. They're blocking shots. They're They're committed to the defensive side. And I think you've seen that with... You know, hey, there's there has been a decline in the amount of goals that this team is scoring, but it's on purpose. And they're they're saying, yeah, we're we're purposely trying much harder to keep the puck out of our net than than we have in the past. And it's certainly showing. And I think you're now seeing if this were any other team, you know, if this were the the well, the Boston Bruins are are doing this just on an even better scale. If this were the New Jersey Devils, if this were the Winnipeg Jets, you know, just you're any team, you'd go, wow, this team is incredible defensively, and I and and they're going to win the first round. I think, and it's just because you know the history. The Leafs haven't been able to get out of the first round, yada yada. Uh, I I think everything's poised for them to win. Now it doesn't mean they're going to win, but I think they should be heavily favored to win. Uh, in this in this first round matchup, it's shown up in the games that they've played against Tampa recently. Uh, the Leafs have just been the better team, and that's without Morgan Riley. That's without. I mean, we think Jake Muzzin will be out the rest of the year, anyways. But so kind of a moot point. But they did it without TJ Brody in the first game. I mean, this this team is committed defensively, and it's showing. And I think come playoff time, that's where it's going to go. Oh, this is a different team. This is a different team than what we've seen uh, because of that. And, you know, hopefully they can keep playing that way all year. It is only 30 games. (laughs) Yeah, and let me ask you, too. I mean, looking at the numbers, do you think this team outside of, obviously, we know the the top four scorers on this this Ford group, do you think outside of those four guys they have enough scoring, you know, depth-wise on their their third and fourth line to to compete? Well, I mean, I I do think they'll make make some acquisition here in the next – three months I think you'll see them bring someone in they do have a lot of cap space accruing right now with all the injuries that they've had so in the end that's that's a benefit they'll have the five million dollars that Jake Muzzin is allotted for they'll be able to go out and acquire a scorer and I think you'll see that Uh, I also recently there has been some more offense coming from uh, from those bottom two lines and some of some of it i think you're you're going well you know those bottom lines are a lot of times playing with the, like their defenseman back there is what it's been victor mete jordy ben <laughs> uh it it's been these guys who are really barely nhl 
defenseman or if they you know they're five six defensemen and they're not getting the time with these better guys Rasmus Sandin of course goes down two for the Leafs so I mean that's just that's not helping but you've got uh, Engvall's been scoring a little bit more recently Yarn Croak who again remember this is a new team uh, Yarn Croak started to score a little bit more and I think you're going to see those bottom six lines kind of find the back of the net here moving forward uh, but I also I they, their top two lines are so good I and and bunting has been much better the last 15 games than he was in the first 19 and I think you're seeing the kind of player that you want bunting to be uh, Kerfoot's been a little bit better so I think some of this was that commitment to defense and that maybe it was you know it was a little bit harder to also score and be really committed defensively and now they're really starting to see the reap the benefits of playing that way uh, and and guys are starting to score a little bit more so I, I think by the, the answer <laughs> what's that said so Dryden Hunt is the answer Yes, yes, of course, yes. Got had to get rid of Dennis Morgan. Uh, Connor Timmins has looked good. Like there's there's all sorts of things to like about this team, and and it's the downside or the upside of injury is you get a lot of opportunities for guys who wouldn't normally. So uh, I think that for the playoffs, that is wonderful. Uh, guys like Lilligren, I know Sandine's hurt, but he was given lots of opportunities and has played well. There are there are guys who deserved a chance and are getting it, and they are. They're shining. Uh, Giordano's been been as good as you can ever ask for a forty year old defenseman to be as a number one defenseman for a team for a while. Uh, I like a lot of what this team has done, and I think that you you have to expect they're going to go out and they're going to spend. I mean, there's no reason to not at least trade something, you know, trade something to be able to bring in a scorer. Uh, and there, there's going to be plenty of free agents on some of these uh these teams that are way out of the playoffs and you know we'll we'll find out what they ultimately do but i you know you every team brings in someone at the deadline right like that just that just is gonna happen um let's see do any other uh as far as the playoff race Boston finishing number one. I think we're both there. I don't. I don't think anyone's going to catch them, especially if they never lose on, at home ice uh, in regulation. Eighteen zero and two. My goodness. Uh, as far as that, uh, you know, I guess there is a race between Tampa, Detroit, Buffalo, right? Like even if they don't end up catching those wild card teams, there still is that uh, three four in the division. Uh, but I don't think either of us see Tampa falling that far. Yeah. No, no. I think I think Tampa ultimately will finish at number three. It's just a question mark of whether or not Detroit, Buffalo, or Florida even uh, can push for one of those wild card spots. I think that's that's the biggest question mark. And um, and honestly, if I had to choose out of the three, I would probably take Buffalo just because I like offensively their ability to score so much. Um, you know, I think they're just entertaining and. Um, you know, again, they, they could come in and, and shock a few teams here down the stretch. Yep, yep, I agree. Uh, they, they will definitely at very least be a spoiler. Uh, the, the playoff race is really the Metropolitan Division. I think the Atlantic is probably pretty uh, pretty set, which is sort of unfortunate. Like, you were hoping for a little bit of a race. Um, now, De- Detroit does have those games in hand. We'll see if they can win some of those. Uh, by the way, uh, Detroit's game was postponed today. 
It was supposed to be played in Ottawa, and they have postponed it because of yep. in- inclement weather. So I, I don't know when that actually happened, but I just saw the notification for it. So um, they will not be playing that game, which uh, maybe is fortunate since they lost 6-3 just a week ago to the Ottawa Senators. So maybe they just need to a, need a push that game down the road a little <laughs> bit. But they'll, uh, they'll start their Christmas early. So I'm sure no one on the no one on the Red Wings or the Senators minds having that game canceled and kick it down the can a little bit or down the road. Uh, any final thoughts on the playoff races in the Eastern Conference before we get out of here? Um, I can't wait to see if. Uh, speaking of the Eastern Conference playoff race, and Ottawa's clearly out of it. I just can't wait to see if they start jettisoning pieces here pretty soon. So that'll mm. be fun to watch. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't think they're going to ditch Alex Dabrinkit. I think they they traded too much to get him, and I mean he's a point per game player right now. I know he's not he's not looking like he's going to put up forty. He's looking like he's going to put up twenty, uh, twenty five goals. But I think he'll find that. You know, sometimes it just takes guys a long time to get used to a new team, especially when they've been in one place their whole career. Uh, and it's not as if it's it's not as if if. Alex Dabrinkit right now had 18 goals instead of 10. Uh, I I doubt that Ottawa is in much of a different position because probably no. you, know, you got to think. Well, someone else is sometimes scoring that goal instead. Maybe he has fewer assists. Blah blah blah. Like I I don't think that it. Maybe it gives Ottawa an extra win. Uh, but that's still if Ottawa has an extra win, they maybe are ahead of Montreal instead so I, I don't think that it makes a huge difference I don't he's not the reason they're losing uh, but yeah I, I it will be fun I, I think Ottawa I, I think Philadelphia there's there's a lot of interest there I it'd be fun to see Van Reems that go somewhere you know assuming that you can ditch his contract in a couple places to get that number down I think Tarasenko I think that this is probably the time for him to get dealt and he wanted to get dealt a couple years ago, or even just last year, he wanted to get dealt, and it never happened. Things went well in St. Louis. Now things aren't going so well. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that in our Western Conference playoff race show, but uh, it'll be. I think that Tarasenko is probably a, a hot trade chip for St. Louis, especially the amount of teams that could really use a goal scorer. Uh, I, I got to imagine that there's a team out there who would be willing to give up at least a second round pick for Tarasenko if not a first round pick to uh, to be able to get a guy who come playoff time has been pretty good so yep and I'm has, looking at you Rangers Stanley Cup. yeah the Rangers I mean I think we're all looking at Patty Kane and then maybe Tarasenko's that like the consolation prize yeah but how long do you wait on Patrick Kane right I mean that's the question mark well so. you got you're gonna probably have to wait until uh, <laughs> when's the trade deadline Yeah, March uh, gosh it is March the third. Okay. Yep. Yeah, and then you're also, you know, now all of a sudden, Bo Horvat's on that that radar. I don't. I am not positive that he's going to get dealt. I know all the stuff came out about him. You know, oh, he declined a contract offer, but that's stupid. Uh, do you know how many times contract offers get get turned down and then they sign something different? Who cares if one offer was turned down? <laughs> it oh, doesn't sure. matter. I mean- yeah, there's been a lot of, I mean, look, there's been a lot of times where guys, you know, don't resign all year and then you get like two days before the free agency period right. opens and they resign. So. I.e. Malkin. Yep, absolutely. But I, I also think Vancouver's got a lot of, 
I think they'll have to deal be- they'll deal Besser first before they they even think about dealing Bo Horvat. I mean, he only has twenty two goals in uh, in thirty two games. So yeah, only <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of guys who could be uh, could be available at at the deadline, and especially scores. Like, there's not much in terms of the defensive side. Uh, I'm I'm not super excited about what's out there for that. Uh, what Kiryanov in, in Columbus is is out there, and Tyler Myers, <laughs> Myers and Gossipier. Yeah, there's there's some okay names. I mean, of course, Jacob Chikrin, but that's that's a much bigger bigger deal, uh, and. I, I'm not sure what playoff team is going to give up as much as as Arizona wants for him in the in during the season. I mean, off season he's going to go somewhere. I don't know he gets dealt during the season. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that happens. Maybe someone gets desperate, and I'm sure that that's what Arizona is waiting for. Arizona is waiting yep. for a playoff team or a team that's on the bubble to get desperate enough to give them that extra piece that they're hoping that extra piece turns into a player that plays for them. Right. So. It's fair. Um, I'm just not sure that there's the teams that might do it. I'm not sure they're in a position to do it right now. That's that would be my my hang up on that deal. But we will find out. Um, well, that is our show. You can find us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk, and uh, on our next show we'll do the Western Conference playoff race. But until then, uh, if you have snow coming or it's already there, you know, uh, stay warm. Don't uh, don't have a heart attack shoveling, you know. Don't do that. That's right. bad. Uh, we only have so many listeners. We can't afford to lose you. I'll just say that. <laughs> uh, no, we even even if we had a million listeners, which we don't. Uh, just just a, a hair below that, but we don't want to lose any of you. Uh, and uh, Justin, I hope you have a merry Christmas and merry Christmas to all those out there, or or whatever it is that you celebrate on on the twenty fifth of December. Uh, yeah, hope you have a Merry Christmas, Justin. Yeah, you too, Mark. What did you get me? Merry Christmas. What did I get you? <laughs> <laughs> a day without having to listen to my awful voice anymore. Oh, well, that's, I mean, that's like a, that's like an anti-gift. Oh, that's okay. terrible. All right, well, uh, that's us. We'll talk to you guys soon. <laughs>